This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on High FM. And it's spring or autumn, depending where you live in the world. But the good news for the tech world is that it is all happening. The last couple of months have been a little slow, but starting with IFA in Berlin, which I spoke quite a bit about last week, and I'm going to just recap one or two things I, I missed. There was just way, way too much to see, talk about, visit, and and play with. It was quite quite the smorgasbord of wonderful technology. But um, a lot's been happening in the last week. There's been so many interesting uh, tech stories, and I'm going to kick off with probably one of the coolest things in South Africa right now. And I mentioned that 5G is coming to South Africa, perhaps not from the you know the usual suspects, the people that you would expect it to come from, much to their uh, horror and distress. But 5G has officially launched in South Africa, in Johannesburg and Pretoria, as of now. There are obviously T's and C's that uh, apply, but a company called Rain, which was the old WBS uh, stroke iBurst, have finally launched their 5G product in South Africa. They trialed it. They showed us how it worked. Last year, November, in uh, at Africacom in Cape Town, and it was pretty impressive. But I've seen lots of 5G demos; they are impressive. Just to give you a quick recap, Rain essentially launched a fixed mobile network a couple of years ago. I think around about two years ago, and used 4G to deliver broadband to the home. Now, fiber is without question the most stable, probably the most fast or quick or low latency, but the best connection you can get to the internet is fiber. Depending on your package, depending on your ISP, depending on a whole lot of things, it can vary a little. But compared to any other technology out there, if you can get fiber, that is the way to go to get broadband into the home, into the business, wherever you may be. But with the growth of of mobile and the fact that fiber is a fixed Installation. In other words, you need all the infrastructure. Your neighborhood's got to be completely wired up, whether it's overhead or dug into the ground. That makes no difference. But a physical connection comes to your home. You connect to that network, and off you go and do all your streaming and whatever it is that you want to do on the Internet. But mobile, having a footprint in South Africa, pretty much covering between 80 and 95% of the country's people with minimum 3G and mostly 4G signals, was a really decent and flexible alternative. No fiber, ADSLs on the way out, dying, always was dying. That's the problem. It was always slow, intermittent, rainy, caused havoc. Your phone crackled, your internet didn't work. It was just fun and games back in the in the noughties. But 4G fiber or 4G fiber replacement services came from Telcom, came from a couple of others, and uh, Rain also launched it, but they quickly ran into capacity issues, and their solution was very simple. In continue to roll or increase the amount of 4G sites that they have and keep pushing the 4G networks in order to give better, better service. But they came up with something quite brilliant, and this is the march of technology. On the same amount of sites, by changing a couple of antennas, updating the software, they were actually able to roll out 5G. And Rain, luckily, of all the networks out there, and this is why MTN and Vodacom haven't done so as yet, Rain has got spectrum in the 3.5G um, gig 
range, and that's where they've rolled out uh, their 5G network. It's live in Johannesburg and Cape Town, and Johannesburg and Pretoria right now. It will be available, unfortunately. Here's the T's and C's. They've invited a few of their subscribers to pay a thousand rand a month for unlimited Wi-Fi or unlimited internet. The speeds are anywhere between 200 megabits per second to 700 megabits per second, which is absolutely fiber speeds. And you've got unlimited uh, data, so you can surf, stream, do whatever you want for however much you want for a thousand rand a month, which is extremely competitive pricing for mobile data and certainly even competes really well where you're paying on average for fiber 200 meg around about one and a half to two grand a month. So I think it's a great, great, great launch. And they promise that they can, by 2020, they're going to roll this out to Durban, Cape Town and a, and a whole other that areas. The benefit of 5G, and a lot of people who are using RAIN might have complained up to now that as the, the network got busier, the speeds got slower, got more and more congested, it was not a great experience. 5G has an order of magnitude greater capacity than 4G. So on the same towers, same network, with the spectrum that they've got available, they should be able to handle at least, if there was 10,000, they can now handle in the region of 100 to 200,000 subscribers on the same infrastructure. So we should see a far better performance using 5G. I'm going to try my best to get one to try and let you guys know whether it's worth, worth getting in line to roll out 5G to your home. But that's it. The first 5G network is up and live, running in Johannesburg, South Africa. And that's actually good news. And we'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And just to wrap up, it was the 3.6 gigahertz, if you really want to be technically inclined, where Rain are rolling out their 5G. And um, as I said, it's a thousand rand for uncapped data usage on mobile. The system, interestingly enough, has been supplied by a company called Huawei in Johannesburg and Nokia in Cape Town. Don't ask me why that's the case, but the the, the new little box that you put in your home is one of the latest generations that runs 5G and Wi-Fi 6, which is the new generation of uh, Wi-Fi, which is actually faster, more stable, and easier to connect to. Now, all the new Galaxy Note 10s, the new Huawei's, the new iPhones have got Wi-Fi 6. So Wi-Fi 6 is going to become the new standard for Wi-Fi in the home for the rest of this year and arrange new products right up there with the rest of them. So welcome to 5G South Africa. The one thing that people have to understand, it is a SIM-based service, but the SIM does not roam. So if you make a WhatsApp or a voice call over it and you move from cell to cell, you will drop the data connection till it reconnects the next cell. So that is why it's called a fixed home wireless service. Not, it's not exactly the same. It operates in the same way as the, as the Vodacoms, the MTNs, the telecoms of the world, but it is not a roaming mobile service and you cannot receive SMSs and you cannot make normal sort of phone calls. Data calls like WhatsApp, well, you can't get WhatsApp on a RAIN service because you can't get a SMS to authenticate. But there are others where you don't need that. And uh, you can make calls through all sorts of various methods, but you can't do it as the normal case like Vodacom and MTN. I expect MTN and Vodacom to roll out their trial 5G networks in the next couple of months. And uh, 5G will be coming to South Africa with all its benefits and speed 
over the next little while. Now, moving on to uh, the other news of the week, and it's also good news. Um, Oracle had Oracle or a database supplier. They're a company that creates a lot of software and databases and cloud services for big enterprises. You may or may not have heard of Oracle, but they're a significant player in the enterprise space. And they announced they had a big event in San Francisco. They call it Open World. It's sort of their annual conference. And they announced that they plan on 20 new cloud regions by the end of 2020 for a total of 36 globally. Now, the the key thing here is that they are actually going to be opening one in South Africa. And that is another huge thumbs up for the position South Africa has from a technology point of view, our infrastructure, in other words, the number of cables coming to the continent, the fiber infrastructure within the country to connect these things, the physical data centers that have been built across the country, Joburg, Cape Town, wherever they are, certainly have the capacity and the quality to be able to host these international companies' data centers. And the benefit is a lot of big companies use Oracle services and a lot of companies are moving what they call to the cloud, whether you, you, you get that or not. Simply, they used to have a basement full of fancy, big electronic equipment with flashing lights, data centers, and computers, all in their basement. The trend globally now is to move that to the cloud, which is, which resides as much as they call it the cloud. It's not up in the sky. It's down in the ground, and it resides in massive, high-quality, ultra-high-speed and and incredible, they call them hyperscale, but massive data, data centers globally. And the good news really is that with Oracle, you know, finally confirming that they are bringing their data centers here, it'll make using the capacity and the capabilities of all this hyperscale computing. Because as a, any company, no company of any size can afford the the equipment needed to do all this new AI and all this massive computing stuff, whereas hyperscale data centers built by Google, by um, Amazon, by Microsoft, by Oracle, by whomever, can actually offer services that most companies could not afford to either develop or run in-house. And more and more companies are using these services globally in order to offer these services. So, well done to Oracle. They, I'm pleased to see they here. And the good news is that follows uh, Microsoft's investment in two, two of their massive Azure data centers, one in Cape Town, one in Joburg. They're up and running. And all you guys who use Office 365 have probably noticed that you're getting your files quicker than you used to. Minor thing, but it makes a big difference. And um, Amazon have confirmed that they, AWS, will be opening local facilities sometime early in 2020 based in Cape Town, but I have no doubt they'll follow it up because there are big data centers available in South Africa, in Johannesburg. And uh, Google are going to follow suit very, very, very shortly. Uh, apparently, they're already testing and working on it. So the Internet, which used to only be accessible via our, in, our undersea cables, and that actually meant, and this is where the whole thing comes down to, the light, the speed of light is finite. As much as you feel like it's infinite, and there's certain things in the world that are truly infinite, but speed of light ain't one of those. But the speed of light is what the fiber networks work on. So when you send a piece of data from Johannesburg via London to New York, it can take anything and then wait for a response to come back. It can take anything up to 380 milliseconds, which is 
close enough to half a second before the entire transaction is completed. And in some cases, that's not a problem. I mean, whether your email's half a second earlier or half a second later, that's completely irrelevant. But when you're dealing in critical data and systems, if you had to wait every time you pushed enter on your keyboard at the office for a response to take half a second to come back to you, you'd think your computer's broken. And in fact, it would be, make the entire user experience of whatever you do completely unusable. A perfect example of that is Siri. Every time you try to use Siri or even Google Assistant, there's always this lag. It just takes a little bit of time before you get a response. And that completely ruins the experience for me and makes it pretty much unusable. So a lot of people don't use it. But when you're in America or in Europe and you use those services, the response is instant due to the fact that the servers that deal with this response are sitting there. So you've got a, a one or two or ten millisecond delay, which is hardly noticeable. It's like taking a breath. And that makes these services so good, so, so reliable and so easy. It's in fact quicker to talk to your phone in Europe than to type out a query or ask it to do something and it happens instantly. And that's the key. So all these data centers moving here, if Azure moves here, if Google moves here and all these big guys move here, all these services will become faster, much more reliable and certainly make a big difference to the growth and the sophistication of services that companies in South Africa can um, actually use and work with. So more the merrier, and it's really, really starting to happen. So from a tech point of view, there's big growth in the data center and the massive data center space within the South African market. And we'll be back um, straight after this with a little bit of an update on on on, on IFA and some other really cool uh, tech news. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back. And I just want, before we get into Tech Talk Cafe, and I want to talk about a conference that happened this week, the Gartner Conference. Gartner, one of the biggest consulting firms around the world, and they have an annual conference in Cape Town pretty much around this time every year. And they always, as good MBA-style consultants always do, they come up with all the latest, the Gartner hype cycle, and they they always coin all these massively interesting uh, sort of terms and try to just give a little bit of insight into where technology and business is going and how businesses can respond to all the changes and all the growth and all the madness that is being brought on by the rapid growth of technology because businesses love stability. There's no question out there that a stable environment, one with some nice controllable moderate growth, is sort of the perfect uh, place to operate a business, keeps the stresses low, keeps the profits flowing, and everybody's nice and happy. But that only happens in the perfect world. In the real world that we live in, there's ups and downs, global crises, currency crunches, you name it. Always a challenge, always a problem, always something that we've got to deal with. Now, technology and the rise of technology, we talked about cloud, we talked about uh, all these massive data centers, we talked about big data, we've talked about so many different buzzwords. And it actually is critical that businesses keep an eye on the future, understand what's going on. So if you're a business owner or you know one that needs to just get a sense of where business is going, where technology is driving business, uh, tune in in a few secs or go gather them around the radio or the computer. You know you can live stream the show. We have to. We're a technology thing. So if you go to highfm.com, tell your friends and uh, look for the live stream. You can actually listen to us live and you can listen 
If you miss the show, which is possible because hopefully you're all gainfully employed, making lots of money, working hard, um, you can listen to the show when it's podcast on, on highfm.com sometime later today or tomorrow morning. Anyway, moving back to another really good news story. I, I said at the beginning of the year, I pin my, my, um, credentials to the mast, figuratively speaking, and I said data will fall. The price of data, mobile data, will fall in the region of 40% over the next year. And that was sort of towards the beginning of this year. So we're in there. The prices have been coming down. But the big news and the big move was a multiple move that actually happened. Celsi have pulled out of the fixed LTE market. So you used to be able to buy some data only, use it in your home, it was a normal roaming sim. You could make phone calls, unlike Rain. And in competition to Rain, they made they had a, a sim with high data and low relative dot cost per gig prices. Well, they've pulled out of that market, and they did so really quickly. A lot of rumors, not for this this segment, but there are a lot of rumors about what's happening at Celsius. A lot of rationalization. They're struggling a little in terms of their capitalization and their shareholders, but that is all happening. The bottom line is they pulled out of the fixed LTE market. So you could no longer buy a little router and an LTE SIM from one of their suppliers because this was wholesale. So it wasn't always in terms of only, you know, buying from Cell C, although they continue to offer it from themselves. So you can still go into Cell C, buy a little router and take it home and use the data. But they pulled out of the wholesale market. Well, MTN announced this week that they are going to to get very active in the wholesale market through their um, through their their own ISP, which does fiber. I'm just sorry, I've just gone for a change, gone a little blank, too many names to remember in one second. But they are offering a fixed LTE um, SIM only offering with a router on a 24 month contract that literally halves the price or the cost of fixed LTE. So they've got a fixed um, 150 gigabyte, which is 60, 60 plus some streaming services for 399 a month for 150 gigabytes of data. They've got a 300 gigabyte, which is 100 during the day, 100 nighttime, and 100 streaming gigabytes. They've got, you know, a service that you can use Netflix, etc., on for 599. And what I think is particularly good value, they've got a 450 gigabyte package, which is 150, 150, and another 150. Um, Streaming for seven ninety nine. So effectively, and streaming, remember, uses the most amount of data for seven ninety nine. So they have essentially brought the price down by well over forty percent. And you can pick that up from. You'll probably see these deals. Some of them from Supersonic, which is their own um, wholesale. That's the one I was looking for. Supersonic is their own wholesale ISP. So go to supersonic.co.za, not mtn.co.za, but Supersonic is owned by MTN, and their other. Um, their other, uh, they're offering this on a wholesale basis as well to other ISPs. So a number of other ISPs will be able to offer it. And right now, this is the lowest cost per, per gig data package on the market. And interestingly, my broadband did some tests on the various 4G networks out there. And they found that the average speeds of these networks, MTN was the fastest of the lot at around about 36 megabits per second on average across the country. It might be a little bit better. Remember, that was based on cell phones, a little bit better on a fixed device um, with big antenna and, and, and better signal. 
whereas uh, Telcom came in at around about 21. So you should get better performance on this fixed MTN LTE offering. Nothing that compares to what is being promised by Rain on their 5G network, somewhere between 200 and 700 megabits per second. And that is significant. There's a huge difference between the two. But for the most part, streaming, videos, doing the usual browsing and everything else, uh, the MTN fixed or even the Telcom fixed LTE product will do a decent job. Back to fiber being the best, but uh, not always the most available, unfortunately. So if you're looking for a, a fixed LTE solution or a solution that definitely assists you when you're traveling because it works across most of the country, the new package from uh, Supersonic and our friends at MTN is definitely extremely well-priced and throws in a lot of um, little bits and pieces and uh, odds and ends like the streaming package and the social package, so it's free WhatsApps and free YouTubes as well, or free, or all within the sort of capped amount that's there. Now, moving on to the Gartner IT Symposium and Expo, which is just ending, well, I think it's just ended in, in Cape Town. And um, they, just to give you a little sense, they've given what they call the 10 strategic tech trends for 2020. And I think they're really worth sharing because things change a lot, but basically within the context of the business environment, they don't change a huge amount of of, of time. But one of the first trends that they spoke about, and these are what they call, they, they broke, the, broke them up into two things. The people-centric trends, things that affect people, how people interact with technology, people being businesses, and what those technologies are going to do for people. And then the more sort of smart things type environment, where we're talking about what technology is going to do for things in the environment. So, Things on the edge, things in the network, things on your fridge, you name it, the smart things, the Internet of Things as it used to be called. And the first most important they, they, thing they spoke about and the, the sort of key trend in this space is something they call hyper-automation. For the rest of us, it's just the growth of the Internet. I love the sort of MBA speak of these guys. But automation – and the automation of, of processes, technology, manufacturing, 3D printing, you name it, has been an enormous trend up to now. And it, it, in their, in their, um, sort of estimation, it's going to continue to grow and it's going to take mundane tasks. So for example, the accountant's tasks, theoretically with hyper automation today, as soon as a payment is made through the bank, it should pull through directly to your accounting system. Your accounting system should allocate it to the correct place. It should deal with it from an accounting point of view without any intervention from any humans. And you should know real time who you've paid, who you haven't paid, who needs to be paid, what needs to be paid. And it's all automatic and in immediate. There's absolutely no human intervention needed because that's a total grunge type, grudge type process that anyone would actually come up with. So that is one sort of really practical and down-to-earth use of hyper-automation. But it, it, it applies to absolutely everything that we do. Any repetitive task that a person sits by a computer or sits at any terminal and inputs info can be hyper-automated and is being hyper-automated. So expect to see that happening more and more and more and more. The other thing that they say is a key sort of trend going forward in the next couple of years was something they call multi-experience. And essentially the one relies on everything on the other. So with 
when an experience, when a customer comes to you and does something with you, he expects a fully comprehensive, entirely comprehensive solution to what it is that he's doing. So he will uh, deal with you on the web, he'll deal with you on mobile, he'll deal with you physical, he'll order a service, he'll expect it to be paid through an online platform. All these sort of multi-experience type scenarios make it more and more complex and more and more difficult and more and more real time to deal with customers in the real world. So we sit in the real world, we we expect to get service, whatever that service is, from wherever that service is supplied, and we expect to get it all the time, fast, quick, and super efficient. And that is only possible if we use a type of multi-experience environment. And technology is probably the best way to to do this through a com- combination of the previous one we spoke about, hyper-automation. So the more you automate your processes within a business, the more you're able to touch every place that your customer needs to be dealt with within the processes of doing business. The next trend, which again, and this is actually so fascinating, and just a sort of a meter view of their whole sort of scenario, they are definitely dealing in a world where everything is connected to everything. Obviously, the underlying trend in tech is connectivity. If things are not connected, they can't talk to each other. They can't talk to each other. You can't have any of these trends. But anyway, the third trend that they spoke about, which is really, really interesting, is something they call democratization. I love this. It really just absolutely fascinates me, and it's clever because they do use terminologies that people are comfortable with to describe a process that um, is really important within the context of the business. And what this refers to is that your employees and your staff, the people that you deal with within the context of your business, are given the n- given access to the necessary technologies and data that they need to do their jobs as effectively as possible. Now, think about it. Step back through this little conversation that I'm having with you now. Essentially, everyone at one point had a role, a job, a process. You got to work. You sat down. You had a set sort of thing, number of things you had to do. You were a, a data capture clerk. You were a debtor's clerk. You were a creditor's clerk. You were the financial director who had a whole lot of other processes that he had needed to deal with on a regular basis. And through hyper-automation and through the whole multi-experience drive, that is all happening now in the background. So what is it that you actually need to do? Well, you need the technology and the data to do whatever it is now that you do, improve the customer experience, do so many other different things, and run on the human side what needs to be done in the business. But essentially, um, the democratization of the data and the processes and the systems and the technology is critical. And to that end, I must tell you, it's actually vitally important to understand one simple fact. We have supercomputers in our pockets, even the least expensive um, smartphone that you could even think of buying from 500 rand upwards is a supercomputer. It has a processor, it has a video processor, it has memory, it has cameras, it has input, it has gyroscopes, you name it. It's got sensors on every level. It's got processors. It's got everything that you could possibly need. And in fact, even the smallest one is more powerful, more compact, and has more memory than the computer that took man to the moon. So you just go figure that one. The next and most important trend, which I think is going to affect multiple industries, going to change so many things for so many people, is what they call human augmentation. 
And that goes down to the Fitbit that I'm wearing right now. And it's not only physical augmentation to make you faster, stronger, smarter, whatever, but software augmentation, augmentation that tells you that you're not sleeping enough, augmentation that realizes that because you're wearing a watch and it's checking your heart rate <coughs> and it's dry at the moment, but anyway, um, you should, you might potentially be having a heart attack because there's an arrhythmia or something like that. So hum, human augmentation within the business space, um, is critical. It can, in many cases, imagine if you were, you, you were doing a particularly focused task. You were doing, let's say, brain surgery via remote using a, a remote robot, which is now entirely possible. And the, the machines are monitoring you as a person to make sure that you're not getting too stressed, your heart rate's not going up, your hands are not trembling. Something of that nature is being monitored and controlled. Um, your stress levels are getting too high. And it could warn you and control and, and manage how this works. This goes for athletes. It goes for for divers. All this type of stuff is really very, very, very important. So those key trends are all linked between the human, human augmentation, the multi-experience, and the hyper-automation. They all tend towards allowing technology to take over roles that are repetitive, don't add any value, allow humans to move to a higher function type roles um, within the context of a business, and allow for greater open, openness, accountability, competence, and most importantly, Back to what what people are expecting, consistency of service. So every time you hit the button, you get exactly the same service for whatever it is that you want. The pricing and the offering becomes stable. And in general, business gets smarter and smarter. Obviously, data, artificial intelligence, um, databases, all this good stuff plays a role in these sort of meter trends in making these things possible. Now, the, the, the next set of trends, which I'll just run through quite carefully going ahead and try to explain it in a way that makes some sense, is all about smart things, smart spaces, the empowered edge. It's lovely terminology. I'll explain that. Autonomous things, cars, drones, you name it, the whole distributed cloud. In other words, smart things where the data is being, dis being dealt with closer to the device rather than these massive data centers. Obviously, blockchain is going to come into that, and running all of that is security around AI. AI right now is still, people use the term still far too loosely, they consider everything an AI. It's just smart programmed machines, but we are in a space with machines where, quite honestly, machines themselves are programming, programming themselves. It's impossible for uh, people to program at the level and complexity that machines can now continually reprogram. It used to be called fuzzy logic. It's now called AI. But essentially, machines are programming themselves to do certain tasks based on inputs from all these things out there. So back to the whole Gartner thing where you start talking about the empowered edge. When you've got a camera that's got intelligence built in and it recognizes your face, that's not happening on a data center elsewhere. It's happening on the camera itself. It can then send an instruction based on the algorithm, the AI-based algorithm within the camera to either unlock a door or not unlock a door or to send an alarm or to make a phone call or a host of other things that human beings would do. So basically, normally someone would walk up to your door, push a push the the front door, the, 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 the bell, it would go ding dong, you'd have a look out the window, you'd see it, someone you know, you'd rush to the door and unlock it. 
Now, what they've done is automate all that into a little camera. It knows the person, or the person's got a code from Amazon to say, guess what, it's me, I can now unlock your door, put your parcel inside, or the plumber you know is coming, it can notify you that you're not home, here's a picture of someone, oh, it is the plumber that I know, I let him in, there's no one home, all's good. So that's the first and most important thing. I see I'm running out of Tech Talk Cafe time, but I'm going to run a minute later just to talk about autonomous things. So you've got these smart things on the edge, the empowered edge. Then you've got autonomous things like cars running around, doing deliveries, drones, fetching and carrying stuff, very important. All of this and linked to it is the distributed cloud. It's these massive data centers that have to be close, low latency, smart, powerful, but they've also be got to be local. So they've got to be all over the show. They've got to have little nodes of intelligence, data and storage much closer to um, where they are. And you, and that's based on things like blockchain but and, and all those sort of technologies which underpins Ethereum and Bitcoin and all that good stuff. But essentially, surrounding all of this and wrapping all of this up is security. And security today has to be based on algorithmic artificial intelligence because there is stuff happening in the world that is so fast, so dynamic, so powerful, and so real-time that there's no way any human sitting at a screen can pick these things up, work these things out, and know what's going on. So fascinating stuff from Gartner. There is so much more that we need to to discuss. But wrapping it all up very simply is that we live in a world that is imbued, infused, and total control of technology. People are not irrelevant. We're not going to lose our jobs because of AI, but we're going to have to work in different ways. Companies are going to have to respond in different ways to optimize the environment in which they work, taking into account all these technologies. And on that note, a little late, but I'm going to have a quick break for our sponsors, and then I'll be back with some gadgets, gizmos, and my last minute, uh, you know, sort of advice around iOS 13, which launches today. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. I'm talking about two things essentially um, within the gadget of the week. And when I was at at uh, IFA last week, I attended well, – was it last week? Wow, time flies. It was definitely a week ago. Um, I, I I was fortunate enough to go to the Skull Candy. Uh, press launch and have a look at some of their new products. And they had two key, they had a whole host of new products, but two key products that are coming to South Africa very, very soon was their Sesh True Wireless Headphones and their Crusher uh, Noise Cancelling Headphones. Now, the Crusher range actually is very, very interesting. I've watched them over the years. But just to give you a little bit of context of who and what Skull Candy are, they're available across the country. You can get it online at skullcandy.com forward slash ZA. They've even got an online store here. These two products that I'm talking about now are not available yet, but will be very shortly. They've built up a really good reputation for being good quality sound, good quality product, at very reasonable prices. There's a ton, and in the headphone and, and sort of accessories market, there's always a ton of product that look identical to anything else, but they're a bit no-name. They're brands you don't know. And often they look good, but they're cheaply made. They're They don't last, and they don't have any particular character or sound quality or whatever it is that you need to do. So Skull Candy have always been good at it. They're based in America. They're pitched as a young, funky, out-there crowd, um, very much in the whole sort of 
non-conformist and sporty environment, and that's exactly where their DNA is. The the owner was a, a skateboarder in his youth, and the man is extremely, extremely passionate about what he does. But the new sesh earbuds, which I've been playing with for the last week, are really interesting. Um, in my own family, I, I use a lot of expensive earbuds. The, the obviously the most iconic ones are the earpods from Apple, which sell in the in the basically between two and three thousand rand. They they cool. They work extremely well. There are no wires, but the price is high. And the cheapies that I've been able to get my hands on, the ones in the sort of one and a half to two grand range, have been deeply flawed. What I find, you put them in, they either don't sound good at all, or the battery life is just a joke, an hour, hour and a half, and they're dead. Or even worse, the, you move the phone around, they disconnect all the time, or they disconnect between themselves. In other words, the one starts working, then the other one stops working. It's just, it's just too much hassle for the type of money, whereas a good pair of wired headphones, plug them in, they play the music, and everything's cool. But not having wires is really, really, really the answer. Now, the Sesh headphones um, are perhaps one of the first ones that I've tried. I haven't tried them all in this price range, but they certainly are one of the best. They're going to be sub-1,000 Rand for a pair of true wireless headphones. They're light, they're small, they fit extremely well, and here's the kicker. They sound really good for less than a 1,000 Rand. No, they're not as good as the the uh, the Apple versions, they're not as good as the Samsungs, they're not as good as some of the other more expensive two to 3,000 Rand headphones, but they're more than good enough. They sound like skull candies. They've got hectic bass um, for an earpod. Obviously, an earpod can't have, the drivers are too small, the whole thing's too small to have really significantly good bass, but they, they have good, they've got bass. They, they're exciting, they're bright, they're clear, and they're absolutely wonderful to listen to. If anything, they play a little louder than is probably healthy, but they are skull candies, and uh, skull candy have always sort of pushed that envelope. So if you're looking for a pair of headphones, or true wireless headphones, you don't want to break the bank, and they're for gym and running and whatever you want to do, these are absolutely perfect for two reasons. They're IP55 water resistant, so they're not waterproof, but they are great for running, for gym, for the occasional getting them damp or, or sweating on them. You can't go swimming, but you certainly can do pretty much everything else. And uh, unlike a lot of others on the market, which are not waterproof, so one thing that most people don't realize, the AirPods from Apple are not waterproof at all. In fact, it's actually a problem. You will definitely damage them if you get them wet too often, um, and you should not use them for that. They fit extremely well. They light. They come in a lovely little charging case. The, the earbuds themselves have one little drawback. They've only got about three hours of battery life. Some of their competitors for triple the money have got five to six hours battery life. But what you can do is pop them into the case. You have to push them in quite firmly. The little red light comes on. And once you do that, close the case. Very quickly, you can get another three hours of, of charge. And you can do that two to three times in the case. The case itself charges really quickly. And I must say, I was very, very impressed with the price-performance ratio of this. For under, I've seen them online for seven ninety nine. So I would say they're not officially uh, launched in the country. It will be shortly. But that price, seven ninety nine, for a pair of true wireless earbuds that worked well. The range was great. I wandered around the office. At the gym, I went to the water cooler, left my phone by the equipment. It didn't disconnect. They didn't disconnect between the two of them. It was really well, well, well worth the, the entry. And so 
it's just see, a little bit of a bargain in the in the world of technology where you can get something. I wouldn't say for nothing. Seven ninety nine is not for nothing, but it certainly is a decent quality wireless set of headphones. No cables. They fit well. They don't slip out. They're just a, a really good combination of quality, price, size, and performance. They're updatable through the app which is interesting, and they really are a decent quality set of headphones. I won't go into a little bit more about the other ones. I'm trying to get a pair of those to try, the Crusher ANCs, but they have one really cool, cool feature. As in all the Crusher range, they've got a mechanical actuator for the bass. So not only do you hear the sound of the bass, the entire headphone shakes and vibrates to extend the bass and make your ears actually I mean, you can get a little bit numb from them. That's how powerful they are. But if you're into that type of sound and you want something that really rocks your shoes and, and makes your head numb, the, the ANC crushes from uh, Skull Candy are quite the experience. They sound good, they fit well, and they cut noise like uh, like nothing else, along with the fact that they can give your ears a, a serious massage, depending on the type of music you listen to. So we'll have a quick break, and then I'll be back to talk a little bit about iOS 13. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. So just to wrap up, I was just chatting to Craig in the studio here that the Skull Candy Crusher ANCs are, a, are an absolute blast. If you love bass, um, they've done some amazing work in terms of the technology in that. And there's actually you can dial up the physicalness of the vibration on the on the headphones from nothing to all the way to literally skull crushing it is absolutely insane it's a complete blast but the way they've done it it's totally in time with the music and it totally extends the feeling of deep and powerful bass they've done an amazing job again i don't think the the noise cancelling is quite in the league of the top end bose and sony's and and beats but the price quality ratio these probably will come in at well below 2,000 Rand, is pretty significant. You're getting a good-sounding set of headphones with the most insane sort of physical bass uh, effect uh, with great, not the best, but certainly good uh, noise cancelling, um, all for a very reasonable price. So we'll get a pair, and I'll review them on air. And um, still, I can tell you right now, if they if they come before and you look, and that's all those things tick the boxes, this is a great set of, of noise-canceling headphones for you. Now, moving on, this week is the iOS 13 upgrade week. Well, in fact, today is the iOS 13 uh, upgrade day. So any of you Apple fans out there, not only iOS 13, watch OS 6, um, TV OS 6, and a couple of other updates are coming down the line today, the 19th of September. And I must tell you, I think it's absolutely critical that you keep your equipment updated to the latest versions of the operating systems. These, these um, updates will start hitting round about 7 o'clock South African time, which is in the region, well, yeah, round about from after 7 o'clock, and generally... Here's what's interesting. These are all hosted in South Africa. So the updates come from Akamai, which are uh, they have got data centers in Stellenbosch. So it's quick as anywhere else in the world. And it will get pretty congested because there are a lot of iOS devices out there. iPads, iPhones, you name them, are all going to be requesting an update. So if your phone notifies you that you need an update, do it. There have been no massive reported bugs 
within the iOS 13. I've been using it for a couple of weeks already, all the various betas. I'm already trying iOS 13.1, which will come out on the 30th of September with a couple of features that have been left out of iOS 13, like notification, certain notifications, certain other issues, but nothing serious. There was one, and you might read about some, you know, don't delay, don't update your iPhone. There was one critical flaw that has been identified, and I assume Apple will have fixed it very quickly or with an update straight after your update, so 13.01, and that is if you're using FaceTime and you request a, uh, an, using FaceTime with your phone locked and you want to look at your, um, your address book, you can do so, which exposes to a locked phone, um, it's not exactly ideal that if your phone's locked, you can still see your, 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 all your, um, your contacts without unlocking the phone. So just don't use FaceTime for a, for a couple of hours until the 13.01 update comes. But if that doesn't concern you, iOS 13 has some really important new features. It has a dark mode, which is very, very cool. It's available from iPhone 6 Plus. So any iPhone 6s will stay on iOS 12, but iPhone 6 Plus onwards. And it does speed up the older phones. I've tried it on a couple. It's a little nippier. It's a little smoother. It's a little faster. And it definitely makes your phone feel fresh and new. And uh, it's absolutely well worth it. The iPad OS also comes out. So if you've got an iPad, you will find some more specific uh, computer style, like file systems, being able to read a USB file drive directly. All this type of stuff is now available through iPad OS on the appropriate iPad. And uh, again, an absolutely well worth it update. Definitely should be done again after seven o'clock tonight. And the same thing uh, uh, on the Apple Watch. The new Apple OS six is is absolutely cool. It brings a freshness. It brings a couple of new features. It's just really well worth it. However, before I have to wrap up, I mean, I'm being kicked out of studio right now. Um, you should absolutely back up all your devices before you do any update. I've never had a problem with this. I've never had an issue where it crashed and I lost everything. But as a safety thing, please update your your um, backup all your iPhones to your computers. Just do a backup. Make sure all your photos are safe and then do the upgrade. And on that note, um, I'm out of here. Thanks so much for joining me. Stay tuned for all the latest gizmos, gadgets and uh, whatnot in the tech world. But Right here on High FM with Tech Talk every single week at Thursday at 11.